first game down at the fucking CYO. I got fucking suspended. I can't get in fucking trouble again. Nah, fucking school never know. I want to make it to the NFL someday. For that, I gotta go to college. So I gotta wash my fucking ass. My man told me I gotta run his fucking restaurant when I grow up. What did your old man say? He says they're gonna fucking rob your old man's restaurant. <laughs> you know who I want to be? Your Uncle Dickie. How he fucking dresses? He said he'd give me $500 if I graduate from fucking high school. Fuck, man. Welcome to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I just watched The Many Saints of Newark last night. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I watched The Many Saints of Newark a week ago because I'm Europe Euro trash it's over so here. Annoying. We get it early. Ha, ha, ha. It's so annoying. And I saw it in the cinema. You streamed it, right? Yeah, I, I watched it. I would have... I mean, I technically watched it at midnight Thursday, so Friday morning, technically. Uh, I would have watched it in the cinema if they did Thursday screenings. I could not wait. I did take work off on Friday so I could stay up and watch. It's very excited. But that means there are many feelings and, me- and much baggage and expectations that come into viewing a film like this. Uh, I mean, we're going to get into all of that. I do want to call out that that opening scene... With uh, uh, young Tony and young Artie saying fucking over and over again. Favorite scene in the whole movie. That's why I had to pick <laughs> it. I mean, I could have chosen it's the wanting that makes you, uh, what did the Buddhist monks say, whatever. It's the scene like right yeah. before that, and I was almost going to yeah, use yeah. it. But I was like, nope. I want little Tony and little Artie saying the F word a bunch of times because their parents do that. And they're trying to be like the adults and they're smoking cigarettes. Ooh, and they're hanging outside of Holston's. Hmm, that could be a thing. Who knows? Uh, Either way, favorite scene in the whole movie uh, right now on my initial uh, viewing. Uh, I think you're right about the many feelings of uh, Newark uh, that we're probably going to have to... Like, we haven't really thought about it. This is our main episode, or I I don't even know if we should call it, like, this is our first reaction, but, like, there hasn't been new Sopranos content in a long time. There probably won't be in a long time, so uh, we may revisit this. Uh, We've both only seen it once, um, and there's obviously, like, a depth of uh, content to plunge into and and to discuss and dissect if we so choose. But first of all, on this episode, we're going to start spoiler-free. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, we will discuss things like the characters, the filmmakings, and our opinions. And honestly, if you're a diehard fan, uh, you might not even want to hear that. If you're just like checking in to find out if it's worth your time, it is. Uh, if you're listening to us, you should watch it, obviously. Uh, it only makes sense. But like, Jim, you told me to text you as soon as I'd seen it. Yes. But you told me strictly to give absolutely no indication <laughs> yeah. of if I liked it or not. Yeah. And if you want to go in as blind as Jim, just pause this, uh, watch it, and come back. But we will give a spoiler warning before we get into like major plot points later in the episode. That is correct, yes. Initially, here we'll talk about some some broad strokes. But yeah, I know there are some people where they don't even want to hear, like, like you said, don't even want to hear if you liked it or not. Uh, they want to go in blind, because it has just come out. It's an exciting time to be a Sopranos fan. I mean, even outside of that, like... We, uh, I mean, we started our our podcast in like early 2018, I think it was, right? It was like, yeah, around January-ish, 2018. Yeah. And then, I mean, The Sopranos never really went away, but it it has received more resurgence um, in the past few years. 
I mean, especially like once the pandemic and the, the quarantine happened, everyone's locked up in their homes looking for things to watch. Oh, maybe I'll just watch the greatest show ever made. Uh, might as well. I've been putting that off for a while. Uh, so there's yeah. all these think pieces. There's all these like on social media. It's constant. Like, why are young people watching The Sopranos? Um, and there was this article that went out uh, this past week. Was I think it was New York Times or L.A. Times, maybe. Um but it's just kind of nonsense. I mean, I'm not trying to give too much uh, time to this, but it, it's just kind of breaking down like, well, millennials can relate to how, it, you know, they look at it differently because they see that The Sopranos is about things ending. And it's like, yeah, you know who else knows that? Anyone that watched the first episode of The Sopranos because they literally say it yeah. uh, right at the start. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I guess I get kind of the point they're getting at is that you know, we all like to feel that we all like to feel that we're here for the apocalypse. You know what I mean? I think that's like a uh, that's like a quote in Fight Club as well. We all like to feel like we're the last generation. And obviously, you know, yeah. wherever you're on on the spectrum politically, whatever you, things could be the worst they've ever been, the most divided they've ever been. And Sopranos is about the decline and the end of things so everyone can relate to it to a certain extent but i think we just need to realize it's just an amazing show uh and it works on so many levels like we've talked about it a lot that you know obviously you could be we've dabbled in both sides where you can watch the sopranos and just enjoy it as like mafia dudes do crazy stuff and they kick ass and whatever or you could sit and like pick out the screenshots from the dream sequences and get into the deeper meanings uh or you could just enjoy it as a comedy there's so many levels and yeah. layers that's why it's an amazing show um yeah honestly i i think you're right in that there's i mean this has obviously been like with the uh lockdowns all over the world there's been a bit of a resurgence uh renewed interest and that's really great timing for this film uh because there's probably potentially going to be another wave of that for people who have watched this film now and yeah. will uh, go on and watch the show. I honestly didn't know or realize, I guess, because the movie industry has been so confusing over the past few years. Um, I didn't know if it was going to get like a broad release. I was like, are they going to show it in the normal cinemas here? Like, is it going to be everywhere? Like, or is it just going to be... Like, it's, a, it's an adaptation of a TV show. It's got a really broad release, obviously, uh, I now know. And, like, even in back home in Sweden, my mother sending me photos of uh, big articles about The Sopranos, kind of like what you're talking about. Yeah. And I haven't read them yet. I don't know if they're, like, nonsense, like, ending of The Sopranos, explained. Uh, <laughs> those sorts of things. Uh, or if they're actually insightful. But, yeah, it's, it's a very good show that everyone should get into. Um, but for me, this was also, like, the first cinema experience in a long time. I was quite overwhelmed just by that aspect uh i think my girlfriend has a picture of me like just clutching my face overwhelmed not knowing what to say at the end of it yeah um and i, I guess yeah that's the the qualifying statement of uh, the podcast we might revisit it once we've digested a bit but if we can move to our summaried opinions um at this stage in the game it's my opinion is that it's good but not amazing i think this film goes a long way towards working on its own as a film and it avoids a lot of the prequel pitfalls it actually like smashes a lot of those things doesn't do it too bad but it doesn't fully work without leaning up against the sopranos and that's kind of 
the short version of my review. No, I absolutely agree. Um, but then again, I guess it's like it's. I, I say that as a criticism, but also it should be that I suppose because otherwise, yeah, it's it would just be you know another mob movie, which is fine. I'm fine with another mob movie as well. But I can't imagine this works that well if you're not familiar with The Sopranos uh, or have watched at least, you know, a couple seasons of The Sopranos. Uh, it, it doesn't, it, I mean, I, I really don't think it stands alone. But then again, yeah, like I'm saying, I don't think it should. So it's really hard to gauge. And like I said, we're, it's, you come into this with so much baggage because you're coming off of like an amazing show. And you want it to, in two hours, kind of give you that same, uh, like, just deliver the same package, I guess. And it's clearly, it's something different, but still, you know, calling on these references and building off of your existing knowledge of these characters, which sometimes can be a detriment. Honestly, I mean, I don't know how specific we're getting here, but I'm just going to say, like, the... (laughs) I like the actor that plays Silvio, but I don't like Oh my god, Silvio. yeah, that's I I have a note. I I went through all the characters. My note on Silvio is worst part of the movie. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like Silvio in this. I it, it's just it's so because and I think my brother even mentioned this like cuz Silvio almost Silvio in the show almost shouldn't work uh to to an extent because I mean, you know, he's yeah. he's from Bruce Springsteen's band. He looks kind of silly as is. But it just it does work, but it shouldn't. So it's hard to then have another uh, actor do like an impression of that. And that that was the character that felt the most like we had talked about our fears of like an SNL impression. And I'm not saying the actor did a bad job. He just had he 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 didn't really he had an uphill battle no matter what he did. He did great with what he could. um, But it's just it's so tough to try to capture that lightning in a bottle again absolutely like that's exactly what you said that it felt kind of like an impression and how could it not feel like an impression but it kind of took you out of the movie a little bit um for me as well and uh, yeah as i noted worst part of the movie (laughs) uh but uh but not necessarily his fault. I was just honestly relieved that I didn't get that feeling more often with everything where people were like, oh, Gabagool, you know, yeah. p- Minestrone, ah, the Sopranos. And you're like, what? I kind of <laughs> got... There wasn't too much of it. There was a moment, there is a... He doesn't have the makings of a varsity athlete, and I know that has to be there, but that was the closest I came to like, all right, like... It's it's like I can't criticize it because again it's such a big part of the show so we know that moment happened but then when it does happen I'm still kind of like all right I didn't need to see it yeah <laughs> I didn't need to I see felt it. that way about I felt that way about uh, Holston's um, its appearance I feel kind of differently looking back on it now I don't feel as negative on it but like when it was there yeah. I was just like yeah of course. Of course it's there. It's got to be there. And there's a few things like that where they, you know, you should feel that way, but you don't, uh, yeah. at least for me. Um, so so I was just happy because every prequel is just peppered with these. But honestly, what I was, uh, or what I, if I can clarify what I was trying to say, um, 
it's not necessarily that it it leans on the sopranos and that's a bad thing but it's also that it kind of tries to have its cake and eat it too in that it's dickie's story but there's so much of tony in there yeah. and it all works but it doesn't quite come together as much as one would hope and i think uh also i went with my girlfriend and she uh has given me a perspective on like what's it like if you haven't seen the sopranos um and which was overall positive but just that things didn't quite come together where honestly if they'd just gone one or two steps further in one or two of the storylines it would have worked a lot better as an independent product potentially and i'm being vague but we'll get into specifics later yeah no i think that makes sense um uh, shit i lost my thought but uh yeah, I mean, and even like Dicky to an extent. Yeah, I, I guess it makes sense that he, you know, since Tony is supposed to have like kind of taken up a lot from him, that Dicky is a, almost a version of Tony that we're seeing. Like there, there are elements of Tony that we're seeing yeah. in Dicky, and that's how it's playing out through the through the movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just tough with some of the references. Uh, oh, well, I can go real quick on Silvio. Like, ah, no, I'll save it because I don't want to. Like, I guess it's technically a spoiler. It's not a spoiler, but you know, <laughs> so I'll save it. Forget it. Okay. Um, okay. Well, if we um, like, it can definitely before like a last of overall thoughts. I think it can be rightfully compared to El Camino, the Breaking Bad film. Yeah. Um, in like the space that it fills in the mythology of the show, um, and I think Many Saints comes out ahead in many respects. Even though El Camino is a sequel and this is a prequel, I'm still like I, I like that one as well. You can hear our discussion on El Camino at showswhichyouknow.com, but um. I do feel like it It did, like, yeah, we, we were saying beforehand, like, it really, like, our expectations were just unbelievably high. I I feel like I'm going to like it. I, I actually liked it a lot. I don't know if I'm going to like it more or less after rewatching it, and that's kind of why we have to get back to it in, in uh, the future, I guess. Yeah. But if we can talk about the film itself and how it's put together, like, the the look and feel of it like from the start i just love the look and feel of the film yep. it's uh what the kids would call a vibe it's got kind of pastelish co colors uh long lines of houses it very uh, it establishes you really well in this universe in the 60s with the costuming the visual style it's all on point um there's like this shot of dicky shaking ash off his cloth uh after the fires and the riots and i was looking at that shot like this is just gorgeous like i could just sit here and watch this visually for a long time and again cinema experience after not having been for a while so maybe i was overwhelmed but all of this kind of made me inclined to hang out in the world which I feel like is necessary for the type of pace that the film sets. Um, because, you know, it's, it, it uh, like, we're in 1967. It's got a very sort of Godfather vibe to the start of it. And yeah. we are, as we said, as you said a second ago, it's, uh, it's the, not the start, but it's like the glory days of the thing that's ending in The Sopranos. And that's a big part of, like, wanting to sit in that and enjoy the depiction of it even though obviously despicable characters running around but colorful despicable characters yes yeah and um i mean this is somewhat on topic with the filmmaking but i do think it's interesting because kind of the stuff we're talking about obviously coming into a project like this uh because we have this like extra baggage or expectations you definitely give it more of a 
more of a shot than if it was just some other movie, some random, you know, gangster flick, mob flick that came out. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I'm sure if I just saw this, if this was just some mob flick that came out, I wouldn't be like, oh, that was terrible. But I also wouldn't be like, that's amazing. I'd be like, ah, it's pretty good. Yeah. And I would never think about it or watch it again. Um, but, yeah. you know, since we do have the Sopranos connection, uh, I am going to be like, I got to watch it again. I got to yeah. uh, I got to look for some some deeper references or what kind of what kind of themes are they hitting at again? That's similar to the Sopranos. Um so, but it's it's like, is that fair? I don't know. I guess with having a show like The Sopranos, I guess they've earned it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and honestly, we should probably do that with more of the media that we consume because in comparison with a lot of people, I find that, like, even the shows we really like, we get really gritty into talking about not necessarily how could it have been better, but we talk about every aspect of it. And I sometimes I, I watch, uh, and or like, if I'm watching something with other people or I watch a film or whatever, and after the fact, they're like, oh, yeah, it was great. I liked it. And I was like, that should be... Uh, that sounds nice. That sounds enjoyable. And then they'll watch it again and talk more about it, but like hone in more on the positives, just consuming things, not necessarily uncritically, but like with more of a, hey, excitement and like going into it of like, let's figure out what they're trying to say here. This is really fun. And I know, I think honestly, we're oversaturated with that because like every review thing online is really hyped up about shit these days, it feels like, or really critical of shit and there's no in between. Yeah. And we're kind of in that in between space. Um, but yeah, no, you're, you're, I would say it's not necessarily fair, but I say, I think it's a, a good approach to take nonetheless that we're sort of giving it more of a chance uh, from where we're coming from. And I hope it doesn't sound like we're sort of talking in circles around like, oh, this film is bad, but we've decided it's good because it's The Sopranos. And I don't think that's quite it. I think you said yeah. it just right in that we probably wouldn't have given it as much of a, like it wouldn't have stuck as much necessarily, but I think there is space in there to dig deeper. Also, I have some scathing criticisms coming up as well. So I think yes. we, we, will, <laughs> we will have some criticisms for sure. Um, and I mean, going back kind of to the filmmaking, I mean, David Chase is always pretty unparalleled with his music choices um I, I don't know if i'd go out and say like the songs are obscure i mean they're obscure to me but like you know he's he's picking kick-ass rolling stone songs of course he's you know it's, uh, 60s and 70s is like his jam there's always great music on the sopranos and i feel like that continues here and a lot of the stuff um you know, especially when it's playing off of like the the unrest and like the riots and stuff like it's it's on like it's almost on the nose with what's going on, but not in a bad way yeah. as far as the use of the music. So, I mean, it, it, it was kind of to be expected. But, yeah, of course, he nails it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, do you have any other filmmaking thoughts? I thought we could maybe run through some of the characters or and and the acting besides Silvio. Like, yeah, <laughs> we've uh, we've made our opinion known, but uh, like Dicky is obviously the main character, Christopher's father, and I, I felt like he was an excellent main character. As you said, he's very similar to Tony. Uh, like his emotional turmoils, the sheer chaotic nature of uh, what he's doing. Um, and what that, that is kind of standard to the genre in a way, but it's still like a joy to watch. And I think he does it well. Uh, and yeah, similar to Tony in many ways. Yes. No, he's great. Um, and I mean, it is like, it's kind of a shame because it is like, you'd want to see more of him as this character almost. 
Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's not a spoiler for the movie. It's from The Sopranos that things don't quite work out for Dickie Maltesante. Uh, I've seen a lot of criticism of uh, Ray Liotta online, and I, and initially I agreed with it. But then something happens, and then I kind of went back on it, and I thought he actually did very well. Uh, I, it'd be a spoiler yeah. to get into it. We'll 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 get into it shortly. But I've noticed that a lot of people are really picking on Ray Liotta, and I feel like they they're missing something on why it is the way it is. But we'll get into it. That's that's interesting because I I jotted it down as his performance being great, and partly because of the reason you mentioned, which we'll get into. But just I just enjoyed everything you did in this film. So uh, we can chat more about that in a sec. Um, Leslie Odom Jr., uh, our friend Aaron Burr, as Harold McBrayer. Uh, this is a character you wouldn't know much about because I, I don't think it's uh, he's referenced in The Sopranos or anything. But we, sp- we spent a fair amount of time with this character, and I don't feel like he has that much going on. And I might be missing stuff there, yeah. but at the s- there's like this bit with slam poetry, and then he's ready to take over on the world. And this is not a critique of the acting, but it's kind of... Like, he has some lines about how he wanted to be in the army to get a medal, uh, make folks proud. Uh, but, you know, he's basically been told by society that all he can do is uh, stack paper. And he he decides to do so ruthlessly and becomes an antagonist in this film. Um, that's all fine. There's just not uh, so much three-dimensionality that we're exploring there. And I wonder how much of that is on maybe the cutting room floor. Because I, I read about sort of the editing and a lot of things were sort of cut out or adapted which i imagine wasn't the case in the sopranos where they had you know a runtime pretty tight to hit and you write it and then it's done i it sounded like from the editing uh that they as with any film had to sort of adapt it over time maybe uh focus the story on what they want it to be about and i felt like there were maybe pieces missing for us to be really intrigued with uh harold as an antagonist yeah i because i do remember reading ahead of time that David Chase was pretty adamant he wanted it like under two hours and it's basically like at two hours with credits um and I I would agree that was one of the things I was going to bring up as well is that like him as more of a side or new character uh and maybe it's just because with these other characters we already know them so well that I definitely wanted a little bit more um of Harold uh, at least yeah. like, like you said to like, I get his basic motivations and what he's about. Uh, but yeah, a little bit more of the three, uh, a third dimension of him. Um, I think Vera Farmiga is very good, but again, I mean, I feel like, I don't know if we come out of this with more insight into Livia Soprano, I guess a little bit. Uh, she's not like, She's not really doing an impression, but it's almost borderline that. And I, I don't know if she has like a prosthetic on her nose. It was a little distracting to me. Um, but like, yeah, some of the characters, it's like we're, we're, we have shorthand because we know who they are, but we don't get a lot from them. I feel like John Bernthal as Johnny Soprano, there was a lot more potential there that, that we didn't get to see as well. Um, but again, I guess it's just because it's a movie packed with so many characters, it's hard you know, maybe in a TV show, we would be able to, to hang out with them more. Uh, but some of the, some of it left a little to be desired, at least from my point of view. Yeah, and that might, as you said, be uh, partially a result of trying to keep it under two hours. Um, like, the same thing is true of the character of Polly, uh, Polly Walnuts. Um, 
who feels more like a reference than a character in this. Yeah. He has like nail polish and a yellow suit and that's that's kind of it. But like that's fine cuz it's Paulie and maybe we but maybe we needed a bit more of Livia and Johnny Soprano yeah. uh potentially. But but also I would probably have liked this film less if it was 3 hours long. So True. Uh, I get it as well. Yeah, cuz similar with like Bus- uh Pussy uh like he's just more of a reference. And another one, I mean I don't want to harp too much on timeline but like I've always thought like Silvio and Pussy were similar in age to Tony, but I guess that's not the case because it seems like they're a bit older here. Yeah, and I I know it's not the best indicator, but to kind of reconcile this, I went and looked at the ages of the original actors and like uh, James Gandolfini is younger by almost 10 years to the rest of the crew. Oh, I and know I know that. like in the canon in the canon or I again, this is on like Wikipedia or whatever and when I looked it up it's some fucking book that I have no idea whether David Chase or anyone important had anything to do with. But they did it's previously been stated the same thing that you've assumed that they're like a couple of years older or whatever and uh that's I mean, if you, I, I just felt better about it looking at the ages of the characters and I'm like, all right, you know what? James Gandolfini is, you know, eight to 12 years uh, younger than a lot of the rest of the crew, like Polly and Silvio and, and so on. So I was like, all right, you know what? I am fine with this now. Yeah, that makes sense then. Um, although I feel like they, <laughs> I feel like Michael Gandolfini, Michael Gandolfini is good in it too, by the way, since we're talking about like the performances and stuff like that. Um, or are you going to say otherwise? It sounds like maybe you're going to say something. No, no, I, right. I, uh, you're totally, I, I was just going to say like, oh yeah, we didn't talk about Tony Soprano this whole time. We just yeah. went to Polly Walnuts and so on. Yeah. He's really good. I thought, um, as, uh, as teenage Soprano, we have like a, a kid, uh, William Ludwig playing really young Tony Soprano. Yes. Um, he's good he too. does. He he is pretty good, but he does mostly look at things. He's yeah. very similar to AJ in yes. that respect. Like, yep. there's a lot of him looking at shit, which is also, to be fair, young Tony in the show and all the flashbacks. He's always looking yep. at stuff, and it's imprinted deep in his brain. So that all makes sense. Uh, but yeah, uh, Michael Gandolfini, we talked about the trailer and like, I'm always being accused and mm. like his lines and everything. But actually, I... I'm so uh, glad for his sake of what a good job he's done with this film, considering like the situation and everything. And yeah, no, I, I think he does a good job. And I think the only things that are lacking about his character is kind of what we talked about, where they could have gone a little bit further in sort of uh, getting him to uh, a, a point where he's significantly changed by the end of the film. Like, is if if Dickie's the protagonist, that's fine. If Tony's the protagonist, that's fine. Uh, but it, it didn't feel like they necessarily went all the way with what they could have done. Yeah, the and the only, and again, it's more of a nitpick, is like, is he supposed to be playing like a 13-year-old <laughs> Tony Sobrano? Like, but that's the only thing where I'm like, all right. Because uh, I, I can't tell like when we see like little, little Tony because it's, you know, we do a time jump of like four years or what have you. Uh, and I'm like, what, this is like a 13-year-old kid? But hey. That's the magic of movies. I can't harp on it too much. This is, I guess that's kind of the, we need to rewatch it to dig into those details. Cause I don't yeah. remember it being four years, but like, I, I can't, cause they just said like the seventies came yeah. or whatever. So I don't know which part of the seventies we're in. I assumed he was, you know, getting like mid, mid high school, whatever that is, sophomore or whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, hard to say. Uh, there's also a, a character called uh, Giuseppina. 
uh, Moltisanti, yes. who's quite central to the plot, uh, and her portrayal is quite good. And even though uh, as a character she's trotting kind of well, well walked ground, uh, you know, she's basically the immigrant coming to America looking for a better life and finding a lot of corruption. Again, very like straight, literally straight off the boat, feels like a Godfather kind of vibe. Um, but I think she does a, a, a good job of that character, which is a, a an important one in in the grand scheme of it. Yeah, no, I agree. It, like she, she, again, she kind of like doesn't have as much for to to do, but she like as far as like more depth to her character, I would say. But I think she, yeah. you know, just great performance still. And so I guess it, last of the mainish characters, what did you think of Corey uh, Stoll as Junior? Oh, he's great. I, I like Corey yeah. uh, Stoll a lot as well, and. I mean, it, another one I wish we got to see a little bit more of, but uh, I, but I still I don't think the movie does a disservice to how much we get of him. Like, I just wanted more of him. But it's not like some of the other characters where I'm like, oh, we needed a little bit more. I feel like we got the right amount of Junior, and uh, I think it's great casting and great performance. Yeah, I I think it absolutely great casting. We've said it before in our trailer discussions, but you're just looking at me you're like. Yeah, I've seen him in other things, and I've seen Junior and stuff, so it should be like hard. But I'm, I look at him like, yeah, that's that's Junior, your mother's cunt, indeed. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, he nailed so, those moments for sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I guess we should give a spoiler warning and start getting into more details on this. So if yeah. you haven't yet, go and watch it, and then come back. I think this is your spoiler warning. Yeah, this is your spoiler warning. Um, one of the things, that, this is so minor, but again, I, this is what I hinted at before. It's like, we see Silvio with his comb over. So we're like, oh, okay, we get it. They're referencing that Silvio wears a wig. and then they that, But then they also do a thing where his wig comes off later. It's like, we already, but do one or the other, I feel. Just have him mm-hmm. wear the wig the whole time and then have the moment where his wig comes off. That's all I want to say. I, okay. <laughs> well, I think that's the major plot point we need to hit. <laughs> yeah. Since we don't have time to go into everything. Um, yeah, no. Uh, Silvio, honestly, was the voice for me. was the only... And I guess the the kind of sideways face. And I, I was also like... Silvio's older than Tony, but I'm like, he's lost most of his hair when Tony's like eight or or Mm. whatever, like at the start of the film or 10. So I, yeah, I I was honestly like, it took me a little bit to, even though they do a fairly good job of saying like, what's your name? Pussy? Ha ha ha. Like they go through the different characters. They introduce you well enough, but I, they don't really, unfortunately have time to go into all of them. And this is almost, that's almost where I was like, yeah, maybe a TV show would have been cool because they have all these actors. They've all had interviews in Rolling Stone. We've gotten to know them all, and then we don't really have time to explore the depths of uh, what they're what they're all about. For Silvio, that is good. Uh, as I said, with Polly Walnuts, he feels more like a a caricature, but not in a way that stands out. I honestly like a lot of the Silvio stuff where he's a bit cartoonish. You expect that more from Polly. Um, but yeah, anyway, these are not the major bits yeah. I was referring to. It is. It, I mean, it is a nice Polly moment where he's, you know, concerned about his new jacket and he gets blood yeah. all over it. Like, that's nice. Uh, going back to Ray Liotta. So Ray Liotta plays Dickie's father. And then um, surprisingly, Dickie murders him. Cause and I'm thinking like what the fuck in the trailer he's like talking to Dick he's talking to his father, 
Um, yeah. And I, it's it's an eye rolly moment, though, when Ray Liotta comes out and he's playing his uncle. And it's like, are there twins or whatever? Like they And Sopranos already did this questionable move in the show with like Patsy and um, shit. I forget his brother. Oh, yeah. but <laughs> So it's like, yeah, yeah. it's so like sitcom-y. And I guess, you know, David Chase <laughs> kind of has almost roots in like old TV. So it's like, it, it's, it's really tough to pull a, oh, we have this uh, actor because he's playing the twin brother. So he's back. But I think it does work here. Um, and... Initially, I was of the mindset of what I read on social media where people were like, what is up with Ray Liotta's performance? But when I saw that he was playing um, Dickie's father, like he was playing him a certain way, because then when we meet his uncle, I should know these goddamn character names, by the way. Uh, that's where I'm fucking up. We have Hollywood Dick Maltasanti um, is uh, Dickie's father. And so he is playing Salvatore him. Sally. Okay, yeah. So he is playing Hollywood Dickie like a little bit over the top grandiose and like initially i was like what is he, what is going on here but then when that character dies and when he comes back more as the you know cold uh murderous version of like his uncle i was like okay this actually works because i'm seeing different layers of his performance now and now i get what he was doing earlier at least that was my take when i watched it it should feel tacky the yeah. oh he had a twin brother all along but in the context the swerve got me so good yeah um like when he gets killed it's such a good twist and i thought for like a probably a full five minutes that the prison clips from the trailer were filmed specifically to fuck with us yes and i think that's an example of I, I don't think it's bad what actually happened, but that's me g expecting a more grand gesture in the storytelling than it actually was, or not in the storytelling necessarily. But uh, And I, I don't think it was a bad thing, but I was kind of like, I was waiting for David Chase to pull the rug out from under me in an even greater way. This is kind of a, a, a large way, but I was genuinely like, those clips didn't even happen. They're just yeah. fucking with us. Like the ads <laughs> for the Sopranos. Uh, it's finally there. I could experience it in real time. Uh, but it wasn't that. He had a twin brother all along. And honestly, I didn't find his performance at the start um, bad. I, I can see why someone would, or it's very like over the top kind of cartoonish it doesn't have a lot of depth to it but i also feel like we're dealing with very standard tropes at the start like i said uh besides immigrant coming to america we have big family get-togethers and celebrations it's essentially a lot of godfather and other films in the genre type stuff um and his character is over the top in a way that i don't find unbelievable you know mm. uh, i do find it believable i should say um so yeah i really like that but then when he came back he was uh in prison i thought that was also a really nice uh part of having dickie you know give his own um what's it called when you go to a priest uh confession, confession yeah. like his confession slash therapy throughout the latter part of the film is talking to him and yeah. it allows for some really good uh insightful conversation and the way he plays sally is obviously very different um but yeah they, they really are two sides of the same coin and i think he does a stellar job of it yeah yeah i almost in the same vein how you were thinking it was just for the marketing i'm thinking like oh here david chase goes again we're gonna have those uh jail scenes are like in a dream 
that Dickie's having, and he keeps seeing his father yeah. and having these conversations. But no, no, it's just a little, a little more simple than that. Just his twin, and yeah, you're right. They're they're great stand-ins for Tony and Melfi uh, type scenes where we get to have Dickie. Um, what, what's interesting is like, and I guess it's because we don't have episodes because we see in these moments that Dickie wants to be a good person. But then we ne- I, I never got the sense that he actually wanted to be a good person. I guess maybe that's the point. Uh, because yeah. in, other, in any other scene, he doesn't want to be. And actually, now that we're kind of on the topic, does that, is that blind baseball is a lie, right? Like, he, he doesn't actually do that. That was a weird fantasy. He was just telling his uncle that he does. Or, or what, what was your take on that? Uh, that's interesting. I didn't uh, read it that way, but mm. I'd say that's possible because just the just as you said, it's not out of the blue exactly, but it's kind of the thing that Tony does as well, yeah. where he'll go on these rants about how everyone's the worst and everyone's an idiot except him. And, you know, if people could just do this or people could just do that, it'd be a better world. But then he goes and does the most despicable thing imaginable and then just sits on it you know and likes to pretend that he's always being accused yeah um so yeah it it, it could be it could be i would have liked that to be a bit clearer if it was but it also maybe it's the way it's filmed is very like dream sequency but i thought that was more stylistic than it was you know here's a dream that's what got me just the way it was filmed and the way everything was so like so i idealist and and uh, compounded with just the fact that Almost everything else he was saying was a lie when, you know, he's talking about how people mm. died and stuff like that. Um, True. But, yeah, I mean, it's, I even forgot about it till just now, and I was like, oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's those are going to be fun things to go back to when we watch this movie. Uh, I'll re watch this movie, I should say. But, um, yeah, like, I, I, think, I think seeing the other side or the other character Leota gets to play does, even if you thought his performance initially was rough i think it explains it more and puts it in a in a better spot um but i don't know honestly uh, just talking about the movie now i'm getting more excited about the movie for whatever reason so <laughs> this happens to us sometimes yeah. yeah uh and then going back to um uh, leslie odom jr harold mcbrayer it's it's tough because i know we're gonna be jumping around a bit but like we have this mid credit scene almost like not like barely mid credits. It's like we get a couple yeah. titles flash and then we see him again. And I don't know what that means. Does that mean like, cause there's all this talk now of David Chase saying like, Oh, maybe we'll do another movie. Maybe we'll do something. I feel like if they do something, it's clearly going to be on this character. It's not going to be the young Tony Soprano show. Am I wrong for thinking this? I was confused by that scene um, yeah. in the theater because they end on a fairly strong shot that I'm sure we'll talk about for a bit. Uh, yeah. And then it kind of has the first part of the credits and then it has this scene. And so I was watching it going like, what is even happening here? But on a rewatch, I think I understand it better um, because I... So what's happening there? Because I just... Like in the theater, I was just like, "What? Okay, he's giving money to someone. Some guy's looking at him funny, and he's like, hey, what's up? Uh, he's moving it on up is what's happening. He, mm. They're just moving into this house that was sold. And so it's kind of reconnecting to Johnny Boy and his racism. And I think it's touching on this theme from basically 
mostly the first half of the film, but I mean, it's it's throughout. It's all the race tensions yeah. and like the setting of it in uh, the Newark uh, riots um, between and and the the tension between the Italian American and African American communities. Like that's supposed to be a central thing, and I think that's what Harold's. I mean, it's obvious that that's what Harold's character versus Dickie's character is supposed to express. But at times throughout, I don't really feel like it's touching that deeply on the theme. It's more like these guys have it out for each other. They're fucking the same girl. They want the same money. And that's all cool. Uh, But like, yeah, (laughs) Dickie gives Junior a harder time than he does (laughs) Harold. And so I think what this scene is supposed to be is him moving in on up. Uh, They've got this new house in a white neighborhood. Yeah. um, And that's why we're connecting back to it, where because Dickie's out of the picture, he's fine, at least for now. And he's doing that. But honestly... Yeah, it's not uh, it, it it doesn't hit as hard as it's presumably supposed to. Well, because my problem with that and again this comes back to the trappings of a prequel is that we've never heard of this guy again. And I I I get what you're saying and and you're probably right that's all that means is he's moving on up, but then it feels like if he's moving up now, he should be like a major player. And again, I'm sure David Chase doesn't give a shit about stuff like this. He would just be like, yeah, yeah. no, he was out there doing stuff too. So we, Tony well, would, But he could have been... Uh, sorry, go on. Well, because, yeah, the other side, depending on how you want to read it, is that like, you know, uh, do uh, do we go for revenge for Dickie? Like, because it's assumed that you would think that he got shot because of this, you know, war that's been building. So does that eventually happen where they go and take this guy out or I don't know. It's it's this is the tough stuff when you try to bring in a new character and Star Wars does this all the fucking time uh, (laughs) where they're always doing prequels and they bring in this new character that's supposedly like Ahsoka or something for all my Star Wars heads out there. It's like, oh, yeah, she's this great Jedi that just was out there while Star Wars was happening, but no one brought her up or anything. Now, again, I guess most people would say, who gives a shit? And you're probably right. But it's just tough to, you know, try to work it out in my head when I I get caught up in some of those timeline details uh, of like, well, then, you know, what was he doing when Tony was rising to power as we were watching The Sopranos? You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's the 90s and this is the 70s. He definitely like and he's involved in a lot of crime he could have gotten killed he could have retired sure uh it could also be you could also read the scene as the opposite of what i said that you know he got what he wanted in a sense he you know he he did stack the paper and now he's moving on up but everyone around him all the white people are looking at him and still hating him yeah like he could be uh, just killed by his white neighbor or something yeah. you know uh that could be the point of it as well but yeah harold is a bit not of a missed opportunity because as you said his he, he's very it's very clear like it's not bad storytelling with him but it's the fucking sopranos and when there's a main conflict between two characters you expect maybe to see a bit more and you know the scene the big shootout scene where Harold kind of has chases him into the club he mm-hmm. shoots through the door and they look at each other through the door uh, I read it as Harold's just leaves because he hears the sirens and like knows it's time to go. Uh, my girlfriend read it as, why did we not find out why Harold chose not to kill Dickie? Because that is another potential reading of it. Like, yeah, there's sirens, but whatever. There's been like a hundred gunshots. Just yeah. like pop him and run out. And I think be- 
the ambiguity of that is uh, kind of the the problem in that we don't really know any deep any more depths of the character, so we're kind of forced to uh, assume both with this and the ending scene. Yeah, and it's it's always because it is the Sopranos, like you mentioned, and it's David Chase. I mean, I kind of knew going into this that even though we're seeing this, uh, you know, rivalry build up, that clearly that's not going to be <laughs> like if you went into this and you thought that because of the <laughs> setup of their rivalry between Dickie yeah. and Harold, that that was going to be the cause of Dickie's death. You were not paying attention to the Sopranos uh, and, and it almost would have been a subversion by David Chase on himself to have Harold be the one that takes Dickie out. You know what I mean? So I guess I yeah. kind of knew that wasn't going to really go anywhere, but it's tough to, you know, and they are, they're like you'd mentioned, we're dealing with like racial tensions and kind of big stuff. That's still things happening today. Uh, but does it earn that? Like, does it, does it play out with those themes to, you know, I'm not that they could solve race relations, but does it earn some of the weighty things they're going for? Uh, I'm not sure it does. Yeah, and yeah, when I we can get more into the ending and and that and when I was talking about like half measures, it's not that I necessarily was chomping at the bit to see Tony's first kill, but tell me that something like that would not have made the ending more satisfying because mm. he's being bounced around so much throughout the film of like what where will he end up, what will he become? And imagine you haven't seen The Sopranos and they just do like the pinky thing at the end, which is cool and symbolic, but also Dickie just got murdered. And I, I, again, I don't necessarily want Tony to go and kill the guy, but I also felt like that would have been a natural climax to him di definitely choosing one of the paths in front of him, uh, which is what he's sort of been going between and getting to see that visually expressed and actually happen. Uh, it would have been just a lot well, yeah. Again, I don't think that's a, would have been a good ending. He did. He wasn't looped into the gang warfare going on. He, but but I feel like a frustrated kid running off and grabbing a gun and getting into a gunfight. That part of me is like, stop it, Jacob. You're asking for yeah. you know gratuitous cool shit to happen. You're ask. You're the dumb viewer. But then yeah. I'm also like, yeah, but also it didn't. Like there was so much time spent with Tony, and the conclusion of it was a pinky swear. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like um, it's tough because I know this isn't about Tony Soprano. I mean, it is a bit, uh, but even like, I don't feel like we got enough of Teenage Dickie and Tony. I mean, we have him give him speakers or whatever, and then he decides like, in, in classic, I'm going to die fashion, he decides, like, I'm going to do good by this kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> but by doing good by him, maybe I, this is the worst mistake I could make. Um, so I, I, I wish there was more to that. I feel like they build it up pretty well with the younger Tony. And then when it's teenage Tony, there's not enough, uh, not enough there. And again, maybe this is what we talked about before with things being edited be to, to hit like a, uh, a runtime or what have you. Um, but I don't know. It's just the, the young Tony, I, I never got the impression that teenage Tony was never going to not be a mobster. So I don't think it really hits that hard. Um, that cause Dickie dies, that it sets him on this path. I feel like he's already on that path. And maybe again, maybe that's the point. 
And I also do agree with you. It would have been nice to see if there's some sort of, I mean, AJ-esque scenario where he goes to try to kill Junior and he drops the gun or whatever, like something like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that also, you know, us talking about that, David Chase would be like, yeah, of course, that's why I don't give you that. That's why you don't see yeah. them trying to go for revenge for Dickie Moltisanti, because I know that's what you want to see, and you're not getting it. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like Tony both, well, yeah, to Teenage Tony has a lot of interesting aspects, but he, he gets really into this idea of, towards the end of getting his mother medicated, and it kind of takes over his arc a little bit. Uh, and it doesn't feel disingenuous, but it feels like they're quite busy setting up this, oh, if Dickie hadn't died... Livia would have been medicated. Yep. He would have shut Tony out of the mob thing, and he would have been a varsity athlete. Yep. Uh, and that does pretty much work, I think, of saying, like, because I actually, I really like Dickie's arc throughout the whole film. Like, I know I've talked about Harold a lot and how it might be lacking. Um, I mean, yeah, Dickie killing his dad and getting together with a stepmom, it's like <laughs> Pornhub level uh, storylines. It's exploring the Oedipus complex uh, on a on the level of complexity of a Pornhub video. But it's also like all of The Sopranos kind of does a lot of obvious shit like that, but gets deep into the psychology of it. And like the Oedipus complex is invented by Freud. They do psychoanalysis in this. It, I'm not complaining about it. In fact, the way it plays out is uh, really good, I think, throughout. And when he um, kills his guma, who is his stepmother, uh, from, and from finding uh, out what's been going on, etc., I, I, I believe it. And it's a beautiful scene in the, in the sea, by the way. But all mm. of that sets... And that's from... We go from there, I think, to him talking in the prison, maybe imagining that he's uh, doing the blind... Uh, yeah. baseball thing and he gets the input from um sully to uh or sally that he should stay out of tony's life that's the best thing he could do for him and so i believe all of that setup um and the scene where tony's outside keeps knocking on the door keeps knocking on the door and uh dickie's like crying uh at its bird like he's trying to shut him out but he wants to let him in but he won't let him shut him out uh, I, I thought that scene was beautiful and I thought it was like a great emotional climax for pretty much the whole movie. So all of my other complaints surround that, uh, it, 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 it has to be said that this film has some great moments. I think that's the yeah. first thing I said. There's a, a yep. lot of stuff that's really great in it. And then it's just flagging a little bit in other bits, but I wanted to talk about that because Dickie's character, I, he is the main character and that what I was talking about with the film trying to go ha have its cake and eat its eat it too is that we do get into Tony, we get into you know his thing with the guidance counselor, which is an obvious parallel to the psychology he does or uh, or therapy he does later in in life. Um, it's like we don't lose sight of Dickie, but it makes us expect more from the Tony storyline. Yeah, like I don't think there, and I mean this was in the trailer. I think we mentioned it at the time. Like you don't like it's fine to have that moment uh, with the guidance counselor. And yes, it's like hinting at Melfi and stuff like that. But where you go too far is where she's he's a natural leader. Like, I, it, I don't know. That's that's just too much. That's, you know, when you're just painting on a song, right? Because he's going to be Tony Soprano and he's going to be the he's going to, you know, know about Sansu and the out of war or whatever. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I just I, I, because it's Dickie's story, 
I wish Tony was more intertwined with Dicky, but then again, you know, we have to know about he's always wants to take care of his mother. That's a big thing that still we'll see if you watch The Sopranos and that's what kind of fucks him up. So and it and again, this is like another person that kind of uh left him, he feels, and then like fully left him and set him on this path. So yeah, like you said, there's a lot of a lot of great stuff. But I guess, you know, we just want more. Give us more and more right now. Give me it. Give me more. Give me a series. Give me a give me four <laughs> seasons. I'd be concerned about a um a, a prequel show, uh, because I, I hesitate to say the words better call Saul because yeah. last time we did that yeah, we got, got slammed upset. with a bad review, which is still our latest review, by the way. If anyone wants to leave us a review on Apple yeah. Podcasts, it'd be much appreciated. Um but yeah, maybe like yeah, David as you said, David Chase has talked about how there might be another film uh that's probably gonna be about Harold, but you know, potentially about Tony Sopranos in his twenties or whatever. And in some ways that might hold the film back from just going all the way. Um mm on these things but yeah um but as, before we leave this point showing him in Halston's it first made me roll my eyes but looking back it uh it seems like it's connected with uh Dickie and his decisions around what's happening and Dickie passing away etc in that uh and Halston but, is the place where Tony spoiler alert dies so well that just made it feel less like reference for reference sake go on but yeah i I don't i feel like it i get what you're saying but i feel like it has it adds a lot of weight like it's different than you know seeing los hermanos polos or whatever polos hermanos i feel like it adds a lot of weight and i feel like because there's still so many people that are like no the audience got whacked i actually got an argument with someone on twitter about this uh It's like no, Tony's alive. The it's we, the audience, that gets whacked. People love that theory, by the way. Which again, it's fine. The final episode of Sopranos is open enough where you can have your own thing. But I feel like this is David Chase being like, no, don't you see? <laughs> I'm telling you again because even like when young Tony's like, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want someone just coming up behind me and shooting me. Like that's telling you, <laughs> hey, audience. <laughs> because David Chase doesn't want to say it, but when little Tony is like, oh, I, 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 that's not what I want happening to me, and that's the same level of the guidance counselor saying, this guy's a great leader. I mean, he's going to lead yeah. the mob one day, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to manipulate his uncle, make his uncle think he's the boss. But, you know, young Tony's saying that, and then, yeah, like, it is almost, it's borderline just a reference for reference, but... It made me feel better about using that opening clip of young Tony and Artie swearing because then when it cuts like to the wide and you have Holston's and it really is like towering over like your your inevitable fate is towering over you. And then the fact that, yeah, he then goes back there and it's tied in with the death of Dickie and just like it's just like death, 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 Holston's and ice cream and onion rings like. They're all there. And I mean, that reminds Where's me. the eggs? Where's the yeah. fucking eggs, though? <laughs> yeah. And that reminds me, we haven't even talked about, we haven't even mentioned the, de- the decision to bring back Michael Imperioli to narrate as Christopher Moltisanti, which... Dude, I was going to say, when you were going through this, I was gonna, I, maybe I texted you about this, but I thought the start of the film 
we were going to pan right over to Tony Soprano's grave. Yes. That would have been a baller fucking move. Yeah. Like, again, not saying it would have been better necessarily, but that's the kind of grand fuck you shit <laughs> I would expect. Like, the very first shot yeah. is like, oh, you've been asking me for years and years and years. Well, fuck you. Here's your answer. Mm. Tony Soprano's dead. There's his gravestone. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. We're going back in time now to learn about this dead fuck. <laughs> and I think that would have been just... It would have taken it up a notch, you know? Uh, but instead, we go to uh, Christopher's grave. And in a sense, there is, there's, uh, it's still, like, basically confirming that there's an afterlife because he's saying, yeah. like, in, in this universe, because it's him talking yep. about being dead. He's after being dead, uh, just after dying, as they'd say in Ireland. Um, so, I would yeah. think at the very least, it kind of confirms the, um, you know, people go back and forth on the the dream episodes where Tony's Kevin Finnerty. I feel like in a weird yeah. way, it kind of confirms that that is like a weird, he was in like a weird limbo potentially. I, I do love, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm in love with the choice of having him narrate it. Uh, I mean, I, if you, if you did go into this and not watch the Sopranos, they kind of are like, Hey, fuck you. We're going to tell you plot points because you know, he does say that's my uncle Tony. He, he strangles me, but that's much later. Uh, I really love the uh, the idea of at the beginning as we're panning by other people's graves and you hear they're talking as well because it's like it's kind of like scary and depressing that all these dead people are just like yearning to tell their stories and there's no one around to hear them. But we happen to just be checking in with uh, with, you know, Christopher Moltisanti to get to hear his story. Uh, but there's something like really scary to me about that. And it like kind of was like a nice haunting beginning to just hear because I obviously I don't know what's going on at first. I'm hearing these voices like is there just a crowd around. Where are we going? And then it all clicks in once we hear um, Christopher uh, narrating. Yeah. Um, I felt like Christopher's voiceover was a bit like a half measure. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it, it's. Starting with like, there's my uncle. He choked me to death. In a way, it's a it's a fuck you to people like my girlfriend uh, who haven't watched The Sopranos and now wants to watch The Sopranos because I had to be like, yeah, that's not like season one shit. That's like <laughs> that's like there's only three episodes left. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little annoyed that they did that yeah. to you. I'm not gonna lie because yeah. that their relationship is so important in The Sopranos. Uh, I guess it does make sense. It does have a purpose in that. The film, for what it is, it needs to build the ominous nature of what Tony will become. Because if you don't have that, you're just, it's going to be like if you watched fucking Star Wars episode one and you're like, who gives a shit about this Anakin kid? Like, what yeah. is going on? Like, why are we focusing on him? But I, I feel like at the same time, leaving that out and just telling us a story, and that's like it, it might have made for a better story if you didn't have to rely on it at the same time it's fucking sopranos film and if they had none of that like <laughs> none of those types of references i feel like uh it wouldn't work out either so it's kind of a and it also doesn't appear much in the film at all like honestly yeah. it's here and there sprinkled in and it makes me wonder about if that was always the plan or not uh and i'm sure we'll never know because of david chase and how he is but as we said like uh it seemed like I found the quote of the there's some aspects of the storylines were dropped during editing to let the storylines take shape with the film's overall narrative. I, I wonder, I, I think it would have been there from the start. It makes sense. It's a very David Chase kind of idea to do it, but it mm -hmm. also is not 
super central. The main thing it does is go, hey, this guy Tony, in case you didn't know, he's going to be real bad later. <laughs> uh, and actually, you'll check in here. We got an email um, from a listener uh, that had watched the film, uh, Mark. Uh, hi, Jim and Jacob. I really enjoyed listening to your Sopranos talk again around the trailers for Many Saints of Newark. And having just seen the film and looking forward to your analysis, my first impression was that, was that it's pretty good, not quite what I expected, but good nonetheless. But having had a bit more time to reflect, I'm, act reflect, I'm actually thinking it's much better than that. Obviously, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but there are certain aspects that didn't work for me, like the narration, say no more, uh, and certain casting choices. But overall, I really enjoyed the film and would definitely see it again. Uh, incidentally, the Guardian newspaper in the UK recently ran a list of the top 30 mobster movies. This predated the release of Many Saints, but I think it could find a place on that list. Whereabouts, I'm not sure. Uh, but what I do know is that they've got their number one wrong. They placed Godfather Part 2 in the top spot with Part 1, 3rd, and Goodfellas in between. No problem with Goodfellas at number two. It could even take first, and those films would always make my top three mob movies. But I'm with you, Jim. That's me. The Godfather one beats two every time. Absolutely. I did want to, I know that doesn't have anything to do with Many Saints in Newark, but I wanted to read it anyways. Um, but I, I actually read, I, I, I saw that article um, because we were basically like, what are we going to do with the, <laughs> the cut to black feed? Should, should we do more mob films? And I was looking at it and I was like, pfft number two at the top spot come on <laughs> yeah, i had the exact on. same thought yeah. and if i can reconnect it for a second the the genius of the godfather one is the simplicity of the story or perhaps like focus is a better word for it because it's got like levels to it but it's an incredibly focused story in what it tries to tell and that's kind of where many saints is really different uh in at least it feels different to me in that it's kind of trying to do a few different things. It's got a lot of balls in the air and some of them are fucking whacked out of the park. Um, but then other bits, maybe not as much. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, I could cut, the, but back to the narration, I could, it's weird. Cause I don't, I don't love it, but then I'm also kind of glad they have it in a weird way. But I, I also, yeah, yeah I, I was also even a little annoyed with the spoilers, even though it's, you know, it's been, 14 years you should watch Sopranos by now uh so it, it's an interesting choice and I mean Sopranos always loves to play around with death in the afterlife so it, it does fit right in there and I guess just for the fact that they were able to then bring back I think when we talked about the episode where the line is in it I mentioned how it is like it's an iconic almost like almost a single line that kind of could just like completely describe the Sopranos is when he's Sacre bleu, where yeah. is me mama? <laughs> yeah. That's the guy, Adriana, my uncle, Tony, the guy I'm going to hell for. But of course now it's the guy I went to hell for. Uh, and then when it's, again, there are these things that are, should not work, but with the Sopranos theme kicks in, you can't help but be like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Let's fire up the pilot right now. Let's 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 watch the whole series. <laughs> it had me a bit conflicted, to be honest. The yep. the ending theme because that felt like a movie exec kind of decision, yeah. rather than like an artistic one of like, no, you gotta you gotta put the theme there at the end. I loved it, and while the the uh, credits were playing, but yeah, the guy I went to hell for. Um, I, I forgot about that line. I'm so sorry. I am going to uh, rewatch The Sopranos after this for sure. Um, but 
I've only watched it once in full, really, diving into, obviously, all the episodes in detail. That's a line that almost distracts from the pinky swear and that at the end. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, with the pinky swear, I feel like I grasped the symbolism of it, but it still left me wanting a, a, a little bit more. But then, and then we get another scene. We already talked about the scene with Harold at, at the credits. So it was just kind of, I, at the end, as I said, I was just clutching my face. I got a picture of it. I'll put it in the description. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, yeah, we need to mention the reveal that Uncle Junior is the one behind Dickie's death, which I did message mm. you before. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a genius, but... When <laughs> Junior falls and Dickie's laughing at him, I'm like, oh, my fucking God, Junior kills Dickie. <laughs> and obviously there's more to it than just him falling and, and and being laughed at. Like he's, you know, Johnny Boy Sopranos telling Junior how Dickie is rise stepping up and doing great. And he's younger than you. Uh, you know, he, Dickie's this guy that everyone thinks is cooler than him. And as if you know anything about Junior Soprano, he's not going to let that slide. I've seen some people say that this confirms that that cop that uh, Christopher kills did not kill his father. I'd say not necessarily because we still don't see the gunman. Someone else does the shooting. So very easily could still be that cop that um, that Christopher kills, which would be really interesting if that is the case, because then it would come out that everyone does kind of know that maybe not necessarily Junior was the one behind it, but it wasn't due to their race war that was building between like the black community and the Italian community. So, so yeah, remind me what the situation is in the Sopranos there. People know that it was this cop or is it just Tony that knows this? No, well, it was, there's just that episode was, is it, the beginning of season four? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's beginning of season that four. Because right. that's when Tony's looking to groom Christopher to be like his main guy and insulate him from yes. everyone else. And he takes Chris out and he's like, the cops celebrating his retirement. He was like a, uh, you know, an inside guy for them, like someone on their payroll. But now he's he's retiring, so he has no use. And that's when he tells Christopher about how uh, or Christopher brings up like he was carrying TV trays for him or something like that. I mean, they do mention the TV trays, so that is confirmed from the film. Uh, and he came and shot him. And then Christopher he gives that information to Christopher, who takes and takes this cop kind of hostage in his house. And the cops pleading yeah. with him, saying it's, it wasn't me. They're setting you up. And that's when he basically says like it doesn't matter. Like whether you're the guy or not, he wants you dead. So. Uh, you know, might as well. And there's always been the question, like, was Tony just fucking with Christopher? Like, is is it a lie? Yeah. But I, I would almost guess it would be more interesting if it is still true. And it just became known later on that maybe, again, maybe not that they knew that Uncle Junior specifically is the one that did it, but they knew that one of their associates hired someone to kill Dickie. And it was just kind of like, well, business goes on. You know, these relationships really don't mean that much uh, in the end when it comes down to business yeah. and money. Yeah, I don't know. I could go either way because I feel like if Tony knew who killed Dickie at any point, he would have just gone and killed them or had them killed, right? Because yeah. in this film, Dickie's his fucking dad. He's more <laughs> of a father figure than his dad. Um, so, and on that episode of The Sopranos made me think that 
And I think I think it makes Christopher kind of question as well. Did Tony actually kill my dad or whatever? Because yeah. he's a fucking manipulator and like he could just everything he says is a fucking lie. Um, so, uh, but but given what we see in the film, it's like he could have. Yeah, I, I, I feel like he would have, even if he doesn't do it at the end of the film, like I was, you know, begging for the simp that I am. I wanted to see Tony rush off and try to kill this guy, uh, whoever it may be that's behind it. Even if we don't see that, I feel like Tony knowing who it is and then not doing shit about it doesn't quite sound right. Unless it's just decades of becoming calloused and that's, detached from yeah. everything. That's what I think it is. And when I'm, when I'm also, this is somewhat off topic, but... I just reminded myself I didn't pull the fucking actually is this it here? Let me see if I can pull it real quick now. Try to do it on the fly. It's not gonna mm. be exact. How am I supposed to enjoy a Broadway show with my children and their pots? Ma, I don't smoke pot. Well your sister comes in here smelling like a gypsy. Well, I'm not my sister. I'm always being accused. Oh poor you. Poor you. <laughs> I need to add the yes. the the new poor you to the to the soundboard. <laughs> yes, that was. Uh, can we maybe can we play back the other ones? But but yeah, that was uh, one of those moments where I, it was like the varsity athlete line, which didn't I didn't love it, I didn't hate it, but that line I was like, yeah, that was like a prequel line that got me though. I was like, yes, poor you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like you have to have it. You need it. Uh, do I have the other ones? I think I might. Uh, let me see. <laughs> you better have them. I better, yeah. I better, better have these goddamn. What folder did I have them in? <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Hold on, hold on. Oh, poor you. Yeah, we have that, of course. Oh, poor you. Then we have um, his mistress. Oh, poor you. Then of course we have Tony. Himself. Poor you. And with AJ. <laughs> oh, poor Generations. You. <laughs> that was another Tony. Oh, poor you. Yeah, and of course another. I think yeah, Tony has like the most. Yeah. You know what we didn't do though? I mean, we could have brought back the death counter for this like, uh, officially. Uh, yeah, we'll do that on the rewatch. Think it through. We'll have to do yeah. that on the rewatch yeah. for sure. Um, so yeah, we've talked about it for about an hour. We could talk about it, I'm sure, for another hour, but we need to watch it again first. And I also think, um, like for more of the historical context of the riots and what was going on with the mob, the real mob at the time, uh, do subscribe to Real History, um, which you can find at showswhatyouknow.com. We're planning to put out an episode, uh, on the many saints of Newark in season three. We're on hiatus right now between seasons, but I think it would be of interest. Um, and... I mean, yeah, I, I guess we're wrapping up. I was going to say showsgenome.com for all of our other shows, but are there more things you want to discuss, Jim? Um, I'm just trying to, I'm taking a one more peek here at the mm-hmm. funeral scene. And then, yeah, of course, you know, Livia is like, oh, I used to think Dickie was strong. He's taking those, taking those crazy pills. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I guess like we, we have that moment where Junior like, stay pauses there i mean i guess it kind of is that regret is that just kind of what have i done um do you have like a read like on in, that in when he pauses at his grave um, like he's like staring at him right or is that just another yeah i don't know like when junior the w- twists 
Was that Sorry, going? I think we're on a slight delay, yeah. but yeah, the the um the twist of him having done it, I thought was really well presented and surprising, and it kind of like I don't know, it brought new dimension to the character of Junior in The Sopranos, though I suppose in given what goes down in the first season, we shouldn't be surprised that he's at this kind of shit, uh, even uh, in his younger days, because, you know, he tries to take out Tony and take over the whole uh, thing and that. Um, but it was still like, yeah, the pettiness of it. It was like, yes. it's so Junior, it makes so much sense, but it was still surprising. And Junior's just a fucking like he's such a an interesting uh, character. I think when he's staring at him, yeah. What is it? It's really hard to say what's going through his mind. But I think he's just kind of zoned out with what he's done, and not necessarily that he's regretting it, but just kind of like, oh, I did that. You know, the reality of it versus the annoyance that he dealt with, and now there's a corpse. And I guess just similar shades of like it of Dicky himself, and just the fact that. These are, you know, like sociopathic murderers, but they're still humans because, I mean, honestly, Dickie just deserved it still. <laughs> like, because Dickie did his, we've seen two of his major petty murders he did in this film. He kills his yeah. father and then he kills his uh, Guma, who was his stepmother, uh, over basically nothing. So in a way it's almost like junior's just as justified as dicky was but he's got those same you know feelings inside of of conflict like oh geez like was it is it this is this what i was supposed to do um and then yeah. i i almost was wondering cuz tony tony wears like a pinky ring like that too so i was like is he just going to take it off but no he just does the old pinky swear which is nice didn't yeah. it would have been I too guess... far if he like just took it and put it on and they're like haha <laughs> <laughs> Now I am the master. <laughs> I feel like um, from the pinky swear, we're sp- like uh, the the pinky swear promise is is supposed to have shifted its meaning, I guess, because when they first do it, it's like do better, be a good kid, you know, don't fuck up so much. Uh, your mom's going through a lot of shit, uh, and that's the purpose of the pinky swear. But then by the end, it seems to have shifted its meaning to. Yeah, we're connected. I'm going to follow in your footsteps, which mm-hmm. isn't what Dickie wanted. Yeah. But I also feel like Dickie kind of wanted that at the same time. Yeah. Because he he you know wants to shut Tony out and he wants to be close to him. He's like uh like you know Christopher is just a baby. He's possibly the the closest thing he has to um to a son. And it's kind of the same with Tony where he hates people but loves them and you know wants to push them away but wants to corrupt them and make them as bad as he is at the same time to prove that he's not a bad person like what he does with Bobby making him go and kill someone just for the sake of tarnishing his soul so that he feels better about who he is in some ways maybe Dickie did want that but at the same time I'm like well the pinky swear meant be good but now it means be bad I guess uh and it's all it is all grand and symbolic but as I've said like 10 times you could have had Tony do something more yeah. as that. Because I said, as I said, he spends the first half of the film just looking at stuff. He does a little bit of stuff for sure, but like as a kid, he's just looking at stuff. He's he's AJ um, <laughs> taking shit in. And then at the end, he also just looks at his uh, father figure, dead. And he yeah. doesn't do a thing about it. So just would have liked a bit more there. Well, and also that reminds me, that was one thing I wanted to bring up is that we have that scene where Dickie's saying how he wants a son so bad. But I like that then when he has a son, like we, there's no scenes of him being like a father or anything like that. Like 
it he doesn't change or do anything different. It's just like, oh, I have a kid now. I did think it was weird yeah. that they he brings up like my wife can't have a kid. I thought they were setting up some sort of weird twist where like his guma, like Christopher's mother wasn't his mother or some bullshit like that. Um, mm, yeah. I mean, I'm glad they didn't. It's just all of a sudden like he just has a son. Uh, but you know he doesn't care. He didn't really want a son. He just wanted to say he wanted a son. He just wants to pretend he's a good person when he's a piece of shit. That's the Sopranos yeah, wants- for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He wants the the legacy of him. He wants immortality through making a copy of himself, and he ended up doing that with Tony instead. Whoops. Yeah. Um. There you go. Um. But yeah, there's probably loads more to say. Yeah. And if you've had a chance to watch it and you've listened this far through, uh, I know we beg for reviews all the time, but you can send us your thoughts on the many saints of new york either in a review or email us and if we get enough emails that's that'll definitely be a reason enough to do another episode dig into different people's opinions because i think it's really i'm really interested in hearing other people's analysis and reading of the film whether they loved it or hated it or in between uh because there's because i'm not fully settled on what my opinion is yeah and we're giving it that chance we're gonna rewatch it we're gonna keep discussing it um because it's part of the sopranos and it's what we do but uh if you have any thoughts that we haven't touched on or if you want to comment on what we have said uh you can email us at shows what you know show at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter if you have a short thought at shows what you know that's the letter u um Beyond that, is there anything else to say, Jim? Well, one thing I wanted to call before the the last thing is um, Alessandro Nivola, who plays Dickie Moltisanti. Uh, he's also great in this film called The Art of Self-Defense, where he plays the sensei. Um, and it's a movie I've been wanting to for us to discuss on our Cobra Kai podcast, but maybe we'll have to discuss it on both uh, because I think it's worth checking out because he's great in that as well. Um and also, I'm seeing that he's a Boston native. Good for him. Uh, so, yes, uh, outside of that, there's only one thing left to say. What's that? Cut to black. <laughs>